All right, exciting day today as we start uh, a new book. So if this is your first Sunday here, you've joined us at a good time, um, something fresh. And uh, also we've got the lunch after service today, and that's great uh, time to be new here, to come and get to know us and know a little more about the church. Uh, so Galatians chapter 1 is where we're at. And uh, let's go ahead and stand and we'll read, uh, I'll read it, you can follow along, verses 1 through 12 this morning. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we go through your word, we pray that your spirit would bring the insight, just press the scripture into our heart, bring us back to your grace, God, your grace that saves us, your grace that sanctifies us. And Lord, anyone who's departed from grace, bring them back today and bring those for the first time that you would call by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Okay, so Galatians uh, was written just after Paul's uh, first missionary journey with Barnabas. Uh, you know, they had... Uh, been experiencing wonderful revival as the gospel of grace was preached. And, uh, and as they had returned, they heard that men had crept into these new church plants and be, had began troubling and deceiving uh, these early churches uh, with a false gospel. These men who had crept in and were deceiving were called Judaizers. And they began to say that uh, you had to become a Jew before you could first become a Christian. You had to be circumcised before you could be saved. And they basically put a yoke of legalism and a list of works requirements uh, on the necks of these new believers saying that they had to do this stuff in order to be saved. You know, uh, as you guys have heard of Lady Liberty, uh, there's actually another lady in the, in the uh, East Coast named the Freedom Lady, and she's a statue that sits on the top of the United States Capitol building. Uh, she was built in Italy and Rome and was a gift to our nation as she was shipped over here in the 1800s. Uh, the ship that she was on came under intense 
waves and a huge storm and the captain thought that the ship was going to capsize and so he ordered that all of the cargo be abandoned. And so as they began throwing stuff off the ship, fearing for their lives, here comes Lady Liberty, you know, wrapped up and all ready to go overboard. And the captain said, no, we've got to leave her aboard. We'd rather flounder than to lose our liberty. And, you know, that's kind of a theme of Galatians. It's, it's don't lose liberty. Uh, it's don't depart from freedom or don't depart from grace. And we're going to see exactly what that means in these six chapters because that phrase can be taken uh, wrongly and it can be twisted wrongly. And so we're going to get a context in the next six or so weeks as we go through Galatians of what it truly means to depart from grace and to forsake our freedom. And so the situation for the churches in Galatia, it's kind of an interesting letter because it's not written to one church, but it's written to a a number of churches in the region um, of Galatia. Something that we saw when we read this morning already is that Paul gets right down to business. You know, as you flip back to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, as you read the Pauline epistles, you see that Paul usually spends a good amount of time, I love you, I love you, you're so great, you know, oh man, remember the good times that we spent together and this and that, and here we have pretty much uh, getting down to business. There's some important things uh, that Paul wants to address, and, uh, and he does it right away by the time we get there to verse 6. Our scriptures for today, verses 6 through 12 that we're going to focus on, they really fly in the face of our culture. You know, we live in a culture of tolerance. We live in a culture that trumpets tolerance. And it doesn't matter what you do, everybody should just go ahead and tolerate it and smile and you know, wave a rainbow flag, you know, or throw a coexist bumper sticker on your car. You know, let everyone just, we're all just, it's all good. It's all good. Tolerate. But the one thing that is not tolerated in our society is intolerance. <laughs> Which means that there's intolerance in the tolerance. Right? Believe me, I've had to think about how do I word this just rightly? Um... You know, there's a reason that the cross is at the end of the coexist bumper sticker. It's the T. But still, the cross, the message of the... I had to think about how to... How do I word that? Right. The other reason is that Christianity is a narrow road. It's a narrow way. It's not all-inclusive in the sense of whatever you want to do, just do it, and it's cool. The leader of our flock tells us that he alone is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, that no one comes to the Father but by him. Our church fathers would preach that there is not salvation found in any other, but only in the name of Jesus can we be saved. Our father 
tells us that I am the Lord. I alone am He, and I will not share my glory with another. And so in a world of coexisting and in a world of tolerance, there's much intolerance towards those who speak a narrow way and an only truth and a single life found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so Paul speaks a message that's very hard for us today. And we balk at this. It seems very intolerant. As he writes to a number of churches who have had false teachers come in. False teachers come in. Right after he left. Right after there was the big tent revival. Right after people were signing up for core groups and discipleship groups. These other men come in called Judaizers that say, oh, Jesus is great. But you've got to be circumcised first. Oh, Jesus is great, but you've got to go door to door if you really want to be a part of the crew. Oh, Jesus is great, but you've got to be a church member if you want to be saved. Oh, Jesus is great, but you've got to wear these whitey tidies if you want to be a part of the real kingdom of God. And people would just come, yeah, whatever, whatever, come on, bring your additions to the faith. Bring it on in. Everything's good. It's all good. And Paul says, I am astounded, verse 6, I am amazed that so quickly you've turned away. You know, the modern day youth vernacular of I'm astounded is, I am freaking out that you have turned away so quickly. This turning away, it speaks of like a completely different path. The language actually speaks of a military um, unit where an individual within it would just one day switch armies and fight for the other side. I mean, one day you wake up, you eat your breakfast, you go and you do the salute, the flag, and then you go and you change and you put on the other uniform and you're fighting for the other guys. I mean, imagine how shocked your, your fellow platoon soldiers would be and your wife when you show up with a different color uniform. What has happened? This is freaking me out. You know, what side are you on? And that's what Paul is saying here. I am astounded that you have changed to the other team. You've turned away so soon from the one who called you. It was his work. He graciously called you you know that you were on the path to hell you know that you galatians were pagans worshiping every other god under the sun you had nothing to offer yahweh he called you you experienced his grace the grace of christ he says there in verse six the messianic blessings how quickly just at the snap of a finger and at the first you know the first sound of a new doctrine you're just like, I'm going to do this now. No, I'm going to do that now. Ephesians 4 says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that's what Paul is writing to here. A group of people who have never sat down and considered what do they call intolerable. It's been said that no society will ever exist for long until it determines those things that must be regarded as intolerable. And even within the church, there must be those things. What are those things? You remember in Philippians chapter 1, 
that Paul says, you know, there are guys out there that are preaching and they're a bit jealous of me. You know, and so they're preaching. When they go out, they're like, oh man, Paul, you know, uh, here it says, they, some preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely. They're trying to add affliction to my chains. That doesn't sound like someone I want to support as a preacher. Some preach out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. But then he goes on to say, you know what? Christ is preached, and no matter what, I will rejoice. And so he's not intolerant of those guys in Philippians chapter 1. But in Galatians chapter 1, he's intolerant of these Judaizers. There is something about what these guys are preaching that he will say in a few verses, curse those guys and curse their message. What's the difference? Well, in Philippians 1, they're preaching Christ. In Galatians 1, they are preaching different essential doctrines of the faith. Namely, our works are what make us righteous before God. Whether it's circumcision, whether it's our devotional life, whether it's the type of clothes that we wear, the day that we worship on, you name it, I'm better because I do those things. And Paul says, I marvel that you would follow that stuff turning away so soon to a different gospel. And then he goes on to say, which is not another gospel. You know what the gospel is? Gospel comes from the word evangelio. And it means the good news. You guys have heard of evangelists? Well, those are guys that are out there preaching the gospel. And that can be every one of us that are born again. Preaching the gospel, the good news. What Paul says here is if you're out there preaching that you've got to do stuff to be right with God, that's no gospel. That's no good news at all. In fact, that's the opposite of good news. You're putting a yoke on people's necks, Acts 15 says. You're putting a weight on people's necks that neither we nor our fathers could bear. That's what the Judaizers were doing. They came and put a giant weight on people's shoulders, dragging them down. I love what Sandy Adams says. He says, they're always getting down because they're never living up. It's as if it were up to them in the first place. Rather than walk by faith, they measure their righteousness by adhering to a set of religious standards. They get bullied by the legalists or enslaved to an overworked conscience or pay homage to traditions that have outlasted their purpose. In a million little ways, their approach to life leans towards legalism and insults the grace of God. But what people don't realize is that trying to be on the safe side can put you on the wrong side. And that's the danger Paul addresses in the book of Galatians. Maybe if I just do this, I'll be right with God. Yeah, Jesus is good, but you've got to add this and this and this to really be saved. This is not another gospel. This is an illegitimate gospel. It is no good news at all. Calvary Chapel of Prineville. Write it down. Take a little note. Memorize it. Another gospel 
is no gospel. Another gospel is no gospel. It's actually translated that it is a different gospel. Or it means it's a different kind. It's something else. The people that preach it, verse 7 says, they trouble you. They trouble you. And the language speaks of agitation. You guys know your washing machine has that arm in the middle of it with the, with the spiral? Have you ever stuck your arm down in there? <laughs> Me neither. Anyways, do you know what that does to your clothes? I mean, <laughs> then you put those clothes in the dryer and throw your tennis shoe in there, you know? It's agitated. The agitator, troubled, shakes up. There's no peace. And that's what happens when works-based righteousness comes in. That's what happens when saying, you've got to do this to be born again. You've got to do this to please God. It's troubling. Not only is it illegitimate and a different gospel, it's troubling and it perverts the gospel of Christ. It makes the gospel perverted. What do you think when you hear about a pervert? (laughs) Keep your kids away from him, right? It's crooked. There was a crooked man, and he had a crooked life. He had, you know, the the old nursery rhyme. You don't know that one. Hmm. Okay, I think you do. That's these Judaizers. They were crooked men who had crooked lives. They walked a crooked path. They had a crooked smile. They were distorting the true gospel. The word pervert in the Greek is metastrophe. You've heard of catastrophe? When the gospel is twisted, it's a catastrophe. It brings trouble. It brings perversion. It brings distortion. The Judaizers were bringing that. They would say, faith is fine, Jesus is good, the cross works, the blood helps, but it's not enough to cover sins. You've got to do this, and you've got to do that to be right with God. Why would somebody want to bring a different gospel? Why would somebody want to pervert what we already have, what's been delivered by Jesus? Because the gospel is an offense to our pride. My pride tells me, I'm a pretty good man. I got some work ethic. I'm pretty clean. I can clean up good. I don't, you know, man, I can do this thing. I don't really need Jesus. I'm just going to work pretty hard and live a pretty good life. And at the end of the day, certainly there's going to be more good than bad, you know. And when I read the Bible and I find out, man, not only have I inherited a damning sinful nature from great-grandpa Adam, but I have imputed sin into my account by willingly choosing to sin time and time and time again. And if it wasn't willing sin, then there's the sin that I don't even know that I committed that's, you know, it's behind my own brain. I'm condemned to death and to hell because of my sin. 
and I find out that I am spiritually bankrupt as I read this book, I find out that I cannot do it. And I don't want to hear that. And your neighbor doesn't want to hear that. They want you to pat them on the back and say, you're a pretty good dude. You got it. You know, just, you know, man, just shave. If you come to church with a clean shaven face, oh man, God really likes that. You're in, man. You're, hey, I haven't shaved in like six weeks, so we're good to go. (laughs) Not only is the gospel an offense to our pride, it's an offense to our mind. The idea that God took on flesh and dwelt among us and then was betrayed by his own, uh, his own creation and his own friends. You got to be joking me. You're telling me that God, the father is God and God, the son is God and God, the Holy Spirit is God. No, there's one God. There's one God just happens that as you do the study that one speaks of a cluster of one. Shema Israel, Adonai, 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 Echud. It's Hebrew for the Lord our God. He is one. He is a cluster of one. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. That's an offense to my mind. It's an offense to our wisdom. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The wisdom of the world speaks something so much different. Surely there's got to be some sort of pulling myself up by my own bootstraps today. I feel good about that. The Judaizers were preaching that and they were gaining a following. Paul would call the people who followed after them turncoats. He would call the ones preaching it troublemakers. But he says in verse 8 that there's got to be truth tellers. There's got to be truth tellers. That even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You've got to appreciate Paul lumping himself into the category, don't you? It shows some humility. It shows some, some realness. Some, I'm not better than them. If it's Rory or an elder from this church or a well-known preacher that you see on YouTube or on the radio, you know their name. The minute you hear the name, your heart leaps with joy. I mean, that guy, he's solid. He's good. And Paul would say, hey, even your most beloved local pastor, if he or anybody else preaches any other gospel, and let's say that that one who's preaching, he stands up there and just, man, things seem to be going good. He is eloquent. He is a golden-tongued preacher. And there's even angels coming down behind him. There is a hallelujah chorus as he preached this works-based righteousness to you. Don't receive it. Don't receive it. Because the enemy himself masquerades as an angel of light. You guys, there must be a level, a standard of truth, 
a level that we will not cross. We will not tolerate anything on that side of things. And you guys are sensible people. And if you think about the number of so-called churches out there that preach a different gospel, we could name names right now. We could go through the lists. 80% of the cults call themselves Christian. And yet when you look at their gospel that they preach, you'll find that it is another gospel. If even an angel of heaven comes, let it be accursed. If it's anything different than what Paul gave us. If the gospel is a gospel of works-based salvation, telling you you have to go door-to-door to be saved, or you must join a church to be saved, or be baptized to be saved, you must wear holy undergarments to be saved, or you must not wear certain garments in order to be saved, that you must observe this day rather than that day, or you must be circumcised, or you must do no works on the Sabbath, or you must fast regularly, or you must give, or you must do daily devotions, even good things, if that is your basis for salvation, it must be rejected. Or if there's a gospel that preaches hey, after you've been saved, you can live however you want. Just do what you want to do and have a good time. You've got a license to sin now. So just go live it up, brother. The gospel of easy believism. That's no gospel at all. If it's a gospel of come to Jesus for riches and health, That's no gospel at all because it's not a full gospel. It's not a true gospel. If the gospel ends with you yourself being glorified and Jesus being made little of, it's no gospel at all. If it's any other gospel than what Paul had preached to us, moved as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, These words that were breathed out by the Holy Spirit. If there's anything else, let it be accursed. Let it be accursed. Paul seems to have in mind this solemn curse pronounced by God upon those who break his covenant in Deuteronomy 27. For Paul, it wasn't just enough to say, Don't listen to these people. There was something more behind when he says, let them be accursed. It's more than just saying, don't listen to them. In fact, he goes on in the next verse, verse 9, as we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. I know what you're thinking, because I thought this when I came to Galatians 1 this week. Didn't we just teach on this like three, four weeks ago? When we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul says, I am afraid for you, Corinthians, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, 
so you will be deceived from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And he says, if he who comes in 2 Corinthians preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you've not received, or a different gospel which you've not accepted, you may well put up with it. I mean, really, this message was just preached a couple weeks ago. Come on, pick a new sermon topic, Rory. Guys, we're just going through the Bible. We were in 2 Corinthians, now we're in Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. And what do we find happening? Other teachers have come and deceived and led people away captive to hell for eternity. It is important that we always come back to this. As the serpent deceived Eve from the beginning saying, did God really say that? Because I submit that he meant this. In fact, he just doesn't want you to be God like him. That's been the lie from the beginning. And it's the same lie of works-based salvation. You don't need Jesus to die on the cross for you because you're good enough like God to make it there yourself. It's the same lie from Genesis chapter 3. And so Paul, at the risk of being redundant, says in 2 Corinthians 11, don't listen to another gospel. And then he says in Galatians chapter 1, don't listen to another gospel. And then he says the very next verse in Galatians chapter 1, don't listen to another gospel. I said it before, and I'll say it again, if Rory Rogers or another elder from this church or a core group leader or a pastor on TV, someone that we love, even has a choir of angels and signs and wonders backing up what he's doing, if it is not what we have in the canon of Scripture, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. Hold on to your Bibles, people. It's time to dust them off. Take them off the shelf and be as the Bereans from Acts 17, 11, who were sensible people. They had their Bibles and they searched that whether the things Paul was telling them was true or not. And they found it to be true. You guys, it's not just the cults. It's within our own evangelical churches today. It's within our Christian counseling sessions. And it's at the default of our heart position that we can make it on our own. And we can do it on our own. And I've just got to white knuckle it a little bit more. Right now in our core groups, we're going through John John 15, John 16, John 17. And we've been camping out in these beautiful passages about how, man, Jesus wants us to abide in him. Oh, man, if we only knew what abiding in him would bring, man, we could do anything when we're abiding in him. Our joy would be full when we're abiding in him. But not only that, he wants us to know him as we're abiding in him. And so what can happen in those core group meetings that we're talking about? Abide, abide, woo-hoo, abide, abide. Know him, know him, know him. I want to know him. Do you want to know him? Okay, so then what do we do? 
I really gotta abide. I just haven't been abiding this week, guys. Well, just try a little harder. Oh, I just gotta know him more, you know. And we forget to just rest in him. Just rest in him. Just have faith in him and trust in him. Just shut up. (laughs) Funny how in the morning when my alarm goes off, it shuts off just in the nick of time. Guys, in our salvation, trust in him and rest in him for salvation. It's not by works of righteousness that you have done, but it's in the works of righteousness that Jesus has done. In our sanctification as Christians, being set apart to live for him and to live in holiness and to be a part of his work and to know him more and abide in him, keep your eyes on him. Rest in him. Trust in him. The resting and the trusting, that has nothing to do with us. Those are acts of surrender to his grace and to his mercy. Listen to what J.C. Ryle, the pastor of Liverpool, wrote. True faith has nothing whatever of merit about it. It is but laying a hold of a Savior's hand, clinging on a husband's arm, receiving a physician's medicine. It brings with it nothing to Christ but a sinful man's soul. It gives nothing, pays nothing, contributes nothing, performs nothing. It only receives, takes, accepts, grasps, embraces the glorious gift of justification which Christ bestows. True faith. Is a picture of someone surfing out there in the waters and they get taken out by the undertow and the current. And I think of my friend Chris Elliott. He was out there surfing on the Newport coast and the, the waves just took him out. And he's just paddling and he didn't, he didn't know what to do. And he just is freaking out. He's like, this is how I go. This is how I go. I'm going to drown at Newport. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he opens his eye and there's a Coast Guard ship right here. And it just like pulled up to him and just taken him out. It wasn't later on that he was like, so there I was. Pretty much saved myself on this one. No. All I did was receive the salvation from the Coast Guard. It was the, I was the one that got the trouble going. But it was the Coast Guard that saw me, spotted me, determined the course of rescue, hopped in that boat, headed over, and plunged me out. Pulled me out. I think of a... Bible translator in a jungle. And the story is told that he was out there and he was helping translate a Bible into a tongue that had never heard the scriptures before. And, and he was really having trouble translating the scriptures when he came to the word believe. This language didn't have that word. And so, you know, what do you do when you, there's no word in this language? How do you translate the scriptures? And they were out one day cutting a path through the jungle and using their machetes. Like every step, they had to machete, machete, machete. And they were all exhausted. The natives were exhausted. And they came across a giant fallen tree. And one of the natives just went over and laid down on the tree and just 
And he goes, that's it. That's the word. For belief is it's trust and rest and lay yourself down. And so as we go through Galatians in the next six weeks or so, the Holy Spirit has given us these scriptures to help us come back to grace. When any false gospels have crept in, we want to remember afresh that it's not by my works of righteousness that I'm saved or that I'm sanctified, but it's because of what Jesus has done. And that's the true gospel. What's the gospel that Paul preached? That man royally screwed up and could not save himself. But God, in his great purpose and plans, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he lived the life that you and I have never lived and could never live. And he willingly laid down his life in a sinner's death. God himself came and sacrificed himself for us. Being fully man and fully God. As a fully man, he had to die to pay the penalty. But as fully God, he had to be God to live the perfect life so that the sacrifice could be pure. As he laid his life down, if anyone would rest in that beautiful, perfect sacrifice the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that vindicated Jesus, they too would have everlasting life. But that everlasting life would not exalt the Christian in such a place that now I've become a God, I've become a demigod, I'm going to have my own place and my own people that will now worship and follow me. See, that exalts man in the end. The true gospel, when you read the end of the book, man is so thankful, so humbled, by the gift of love and righteousness from Jesus, that they are bowing down before him, lifting him up and bringing praise to his name. That's the gospel. If anyone preaches anything else, let him be accursed. As we have the worship team come on up, this is not a popular message. In a day of tolerance, this message is not tolerated. And Paul says in verse 10, Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You know, the message that would get a big crowd and just increase our numbers and tickle people's ears is not the message that is preached today from this pulpit. But myself and the other shepherds of this church, we have a task to speak the truth according to the word of God, to guard you all against the savage wolves that will rise up even in our own midst, Acts chapter 20 says. It's going to ruffle feathers, it's going to step on toes. But for the sake of the flock and the integrity of the name of Jesus, we won't depart from the truth of the word of God. If we were pleasing men in this church, then we would not be slaves of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we go to close in worship, 
maybe you would just set your things aside and just position your heart to just respond to the word of God this morning. Just let the Lord show you the things that you've so quickly turned from the Messiah's blessings. You've turned so quickly from the grace of Jesus. to another gospel. You know what? The the main thing that was happening with Galatians, it's happening paramountly in even our church today. Where you are measuring yourself before God. Even today, you've done it. In this service, you've done it. You're measuring yourself before God by your own deeds and actions. That's that's what the Judaizers were preaching. And you need to just come before the Lord showing that your pockets are empty. You have no works of righteousness to puff you up before Him. And just come to Jesus with nothing in your hands today. Just ready to receive His perfection upon your life. Be careful right now. I just sense the Lord just saying, hey, as Rory just said that, you've got a little attorney on your shoulder who's trying to defend you and say, no, you've got this going for you and you've got that going for you. That's what the enemy wants you to think. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, for they shall see God. You must be poor in spirit. You must realize that you have spiritual bankruptcy. And yet, in Jesus Christ, you are rich beyond measure. Just afresh today, let All other gospels go away, but the grace of the Lord Jesus. And today, just cling to Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Rest on Jesus. Don't try to measure up. As the machete-wielding native crashed on that log. Just crash onto Jesus today. Receive from Him the blessings of salvation. That not only has He saved you, but He has put righteousness in your account. Let all the other past denominations, let all the different, whether you Calvary Chapel or Baptist or Assemblies of God or Lutheran or maybe you come from a church outside of Christianity, just let everything that you've ever known fall aside and just let's just all come afresh before the gospel of Jesus. He has done it. He will do it. Let's receive that today. Let's let our hearts be strengthened by grace today. And maybe for you, that'll even be for the first time, you would receive His gift of salvation upon your life. 
you would let him give you a new heart and a new mind that can beat and think about him and know him like never before. He wants to do that in you today. Let him do that. For those that have been believing a gospel of, all you got to do is say the sinner's prayer and you're good to go. Just live however you want. Use the grace card. But a full gospel says that those who've been impacted by the grace of God can't help but live a life of obedience. Just a natural fruit growing off of your life. And maybe you would just confess to the Lord right now, God, I've been been believing a false gospel. When the gospel of the scriptures tells me that you will change me by your spirit and conform me into the image of your son. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Would you do that in me today? I trust in you to begin that work today in my life. Why don't we stand together and just as we close in this song, let's cling to Jesus afresh. Let's cling to the cross and what he accomplished there. Let's cling to the empty tomb and what he accomplished there. Let's cling to the Holy Spirit who wants to fill you afresh today so that you can live a powerful life for him. Let's cling to the truth that he will be glorified in the lives of his people. And let's trust him today to do a work in our lives that would bring him much praise and much honor and much glory.